Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name's David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom Terrace, Hannah Woodward, Rob Longo, and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome one and all. Hi, Good David. To be here. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 16, and 22 through 26. But before we do that, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of our lives, the gift of this opportunity to, to break open the word that we will hear on Sunday, um, and, and just allow you to to love us through your word. Uh, please, Lord, bless every single person that's listening, all of our families, uh, everything that we're involved in. Just please give us the courage to live the word each and every day. Holy Spirit, please come into our hearts. Please come right now and uh, just expand our understanding, expand our, um, expand our love and our joy for the gift that we're gonna celebrate this Sunday, which is the gift of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus. So please, Lord, just, just guide us and protect us this day and always. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Father Son, and the Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Hannah, do you mind giving us a little gospel love this morning? Sure thing. Um, the gospel's taken from Mark. On the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you, carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make the preparations there. The disciples went off, entered the city, and found it as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As you started reading this, Hannah, I stopped at the sentence where Jesus said, where do you want us to go? And I crossed out us and said, me. Wouldn't it be a way to live our lives if we surrendered every day and in obedience said to the Lord, where do you want me to go today? Where do you want me to be that, that bread of life that you want to share with others, that vessel of God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion. Where do you want me to go? And you know what? Every time I do that correctly, it's amazing the great adventure that my life is as God uses me 
and answers my prayer to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to so many people. When I surrender and in obedience, go where he wants me to go. And it's amazing as you continue on reading, he knows what lays ahead of me. He knows what it looks like and what to expect. And he guides me that whole journey. So for me, I want to live my life that way, a life of surrender, a life of obedience, and that builds trust, trust in God as my shepherd leading me where he wants me to go to be a vessel of his love that I can share the bread of life, Jesus that lives in me with others that are in need. Our, our son just received First Holy Communion a few weeks ago and it's just such a, an awesome day. And you know, as I think back to the priest homily, he's asking the kids what, what food they like and, and it's just so, so simple uh, but just such a reminder for me that uh, you know when we eat hamburgers and hot dogs and you know raviolis and meatballs, whatever you know whatever we eat, they become us. But when we eat Jesus, we become more like Jesus. And uh, as we celebrate, or get ready to celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, there's a song that the little kids sang: "Body, Blood, Soul, and Divinity." And it's uh, a medit- a prayer after they receive communion. So all these little second graders were up there singing this beautiful song about you know coming into Jesus's home and and bowing on their knee and quietly praying and whispering I love you so and just it's awesome and I uh, and I just you know ask God please Lord help me to never uh, help me never be bored with Holy Communion uh, that every communion that I receive that it's 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 as special as, as it was the first time uh, you know, this is such an amazing gift. Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. He could have chosen any way to be with us forever. Uh, but this is how he chose to be with us, by giving us his body, blood, soul, and divinity that we can receive every day, that we can adore every day, visit every day, and uh, help me to, to have that zeal to get to Jesus in the Eucharist as I do to a football game, basketball game, you know, any sporting event or whatever, entertainment, that I have that zeal to just to be with Jesus. That's beautiful, Robin. This this verse really ties back to John um, chapter 6. When you read that, the discourse of the bread of life, Jesus says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And as you reflect on that scripture verse, you're like, oh my goodness, are we called to be cannibals? No, this is the verse because Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Passover Lamb sacrificed once for all. He was the atonement for our sins. And then in an unbloody manner, he is the bread of life. He feeds us spiritually. He taught us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. We pray that. And Jesus says, I give it to you, offer to you every day at the Mass, in every Catholic church all over the world, then we have our free will choice. Do we put God first and put Him in our schedule first and then build the rest of the schedule around Him and go and receive Him daily so that we have that spiritual feeding, that spiritual food that gives us the strength to be that blessing to others, to take on the rough seas of the world, the winds of the world, and yet be at peace because Christ is living in us, with us, and through us. It's the greatest gift I could ever fathom, and it's offered us as Catholics every day. Who's first on our list? And, and you know, David, and, uh, to tie that back to what Rob was saying about the, the innocence of children when they re- receive their first communion, I had a great privilege of being a special minister of the Eucharist, and around this time of the year, 
when you're serving, there's always a few kids coming up, you know, the little boys with their First Communion outfit and little girls, and they're so genuine and they're so innocent and they're so completely trusting in what they're doing that, you know, every time I, I give one of them communion, I, it reminds me of my First Communion when I was still naive enough and, you know, pure enough and open enough to, to trust like a child. And, and, and that, that whole experience that we have, you know, to, and it was a good reflection for me the rest of the day on Sunday, and even it kind of stuck with me during the week that, you know, how do we get to that level of surrender, that level of trust that we had when we were children? You know, we get smarter, we get older, we get our heart stomped on, we get smart ideas in our head, and we drift away from the Lord because of some of those things. And if we go back and just reflect on what the, that first communion was like, that intimacy with Jesus as a child, I think it really helps us to appreciate and understand what it means to, you know, eat eat my flesh and drink my blood. Because even back at that time, before when Jesus was still talking to his disciples, before this time, before the actual sacrifice on Calvary, he had spoken enough in parables that I think people could have begun to understand that maybe he doesn't mean literal flesh and blood, but maybe there's some way that we need to take his body and take his blood, take the substance of what he is and make it part of what we are and, and allow him to make us part of what he is. Because you're right, Rob, we, that's, you know, we eat food and it becomes us, but we receive the Eucharist and we become him. You know, it's a, it's a, different, uh, it's a different transformation. And, and as David brought us back to John 6, people wouldn't have walked for a parable. You know, people that followed Jesus would not have walked if this was a parable. Right, that that he was so clear and repeated himself so often, or so many times in in that in that discourse, it was clear, crystal clear, and uh, you know even in our English version where where it says you know eat, it's you know munch or gnaw, in the you know when you translate it. So he he did not mince words uh, that this is I S, this is my body, this is my blood, and he was willing to let people walk including his own main guys, right? Turned around to Peter and asked him if he wanted to leave too. So, uh, yeah, amen. This is, this is a great celebration this Sunday and every Sunday, every day. And you know, that's a great prayer, Rob, to open the eyes of our heart to see this truth because as Catholics, too many times we take it for granted. And, you know, where you stopped in that verse about Peter asking Jesus, or Jesus asking Peter, you know, what about you, Peter? And Peter says, you know, where am I to go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. What words did he just speak? You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. As you eat this flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And this is the key one here. And he says, "In and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. He was telling them. He gave his flesh for the life of the world, for you and I. He paid the price on the cross. That same flesh becomes the bread of life in the Eucharist, when that priest lifts it up and says these same words as Passover, you know, he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them and said, take it. This is my body. The same with the cup. This is my blood. You know, and again, in the scripture, it says, for as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. We as Catholics do this every day of the week. It's unbelievable, but I don't ever want to take this most amazing of amazing gifts for granted. 
and think that I could just nonchalantly go up there and receive Jesus into my bodily temple with sin. Stop. First Corinthians tells us, don't do that. Get clean. Go to confession. Get healed. And then, once you've been purified by the grace of God, then come and receive Jesus. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. It's a great responsibility because when you realize you're receiving God into you, oh my goodness, you better prepare that temple. And a lot of folks will say, well, the Mass is just the same. It's the same old, same old. And you know, every every time I come, it's just the same thing. And and it's so boring. You know, it's you do the same thing over and over again. Uh, and I got this an email this past week that that speaks to that. And uh, if I could, I'd like to share it, share it with everybody. Uh, it says we we have been given new eyes to discover the divine reality, namely our faith. Faith sees through the outer shell and penetrates to the substance of things. Faith reveals new areas of reality, like the angels. But faith also enables us to see everything we encounter in a new way. It sees the deep dimension of daily events. This is why there is no longer anything that is ordinary for the believer. Nothing is uninteresting or boring. Everything in our daily lives becomes exciting and fascinating to one who believes in Jesus Christ and the God he reveals. Man, imagine if we entered every Mass with that kind of attitude, that every encounter we're going to have at Mass is the most amazing encounter we're going to have ever, right? That when we're bored at Mass, we, we, we need to put a mirror. I need to put a mirror up in my face and say, why am I boring? It's not the Mass that's boring. Why am I boring? And you've, I've heard people say sin makes you boring, right? Sin makes you boring and uninteresting. So if I'm bored and I'm uninterested at Mass, there's probably some sin in my life that, that needs to be rooted out. Uh, but this is just so awesome that everything, right, everything be, or nothing is uninteresting and boring when we look at it through the eyes of faith. And I, I was just thinking about what Dave was saying earlier about us trusting in God. Where do you want me to go today? And Jesus is not only present at the Mass, as Rob was just talking about, but he's also present with us every day at every moment. So, uh, you know, each day doesn't have to be boring or uninteresting. And, and I'm sure these two disciples, um, you know, when Jesus said, go into the city, what they were talking about when they went into the city to look for this man with a, you know, a jar of water. Because I was just in New York this past week, and I don't know what the ancient city was like, but New York is like crazy. There's so many people around. And I can imagine these two guys saying, where are we going to find this guy with the jar of water, you know, like... So they weren't bored, I'm sure, and I think every day of our life, not just at Mass, but when we surrender to Jesus is an exciting day. You know, what does he have in store for us today, like these two disciples? And you know, Rob, what you shared about, I have friends that, that are evangelical Christians, and a couple of different ones of them have said, you know, I really don't get much, I don't get anything out of the Mass. I mean, it's really just, it's, it's just, it's road, it's just, it's, and I'm like, wait a minute. The first part of the Mass is all the Bible. It's all sacred scripture. That's Christ. That's the first half of the Mass. The second half of the Mass is Christ in the Eucharist. So to say you don't get anything out of it is to say, I really don't truly know who Christ is here and present in the Bible and here and present in the Eucharist. For me, I don't go to Mass to get something out of it. I go to Mass to receive Christ, both in Word and in the Eucharist. And it's changed my perspective because up until age 46, 
I went because I had to. I was born and raised Catholic. That's what I was supposed to do. But when I had that enlightenment, when the Lord, you know, let me break into a million pieces and then rebuilt me, oh my goodness, when he opened the eyes of my soul to see truth, the ears of my heart to hear truth, I, I sit like a little child, like you were saying, Tom, listening to every word, the psalm that, that's prayed, that's repeated, listen to the Old Testament, listen to the New Testament, and Christ is speaking to me in his word, which is alive and piercing and doesn't return void. He speaks to me. And then when I realize that he doesn't want me to just have a personal relationship with, with him, he wants to have an intimate one. And then he invites me, if I've prepared myself, to come and receive him in the most intimate exchange possible. He gives me his body, blood, soul, and divinity to enter and impregnate me with his divinity, to course through my body and purge from me anything that's not of him. That's, that's, <laughs> it's it. It's the culmination of our faith. It's the source and the summit of our life is the bread of life, which occurs in the Eucharist. When I used to take uh, our daughter, who's 13 now, when she was young, four or five years old, I'll take her to adoration with me. And she had what she would call the coloring ministry. So she would bring her coloring book and she would color and then she would tear it out and give it to someone who was there, like someone who looked lonely or, you know, might not have anybody, you know, an older, older person or you know, something like that. But one time we went in and no one was there. And she said the most profound thing, you know, like I said, she's probably four or five years old. And she said, if, if this is really Jesus, how come so little people are here? Like, if this, if, if, Dad, you keep telling me that this is Jesus, how come no one's showing up? Yeah. And, man, you are so right, honey. That's why it's awesome that we are here, that Jesus is here. He loves us so much. He's going to wait here every day. And he's going to wonder, is today the day that, you know, that grace is going to visit me? You know, and, and we're here. So let's not worry about counting how many people are here or aren't here. Just know that you're here, and, and by you being here, you've made his heart so happy. Right? And if we all live that, right, that God is waiting for us, wondering, is today the day? Is today the day that, that Rob, for me, is today the day that Rob's going to visit me? Right? And then go, right? I, 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 I often think, what's the, like, the smallest amount, what's the least amount of money that it would take for me to go out of my way to stop into a church to pick up every day? Like if someone said, there's a $20 bill that's going to be waiting for you every day, would that be enough or a $100 bill? If there was a $100 bill, Hannah, Every day at this church, would you go around the corner and, and stop in to pick up that $100 bill? I, I, I probably would. That's 100 bucks. What's 100 bucks compared to Jesus, the Lord, and, and God of the universe? Um, so I need to start inconveniencing myself, my schedule, and get, uh, you know, get, get back in, in touch with, with Jesus in adoration. Rob, you love the verse, John 3.16. Can you repeat that for me just real quick, just your, or a paraphrase of it? For God so loved the world, that one? Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. You were to use the key word, believe. People say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God, the Bible, correct? Do we believe what Jesus said? Because if we don't believe what Jesus said, that his flesh is true food, his blood is true drink, true drink unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, do we truly believe in Jesus Christ? It says it right here. Take it. This, and you said it, Rob, is my body. 
He doesn't say a symbol of, in remembrance of, this is my body. And then he says, this is my blood. So if we profess to believe Jesus, as John 3.16 points out, that we might have eternal life, do we truly believe what Jesus tells us? Because it's a hard saying. Like you said, Rob, the Jews, they all said, ha, they quarreled amongst themselves and said, ha, we're out of here. Can't eat this man's flesh, drink his blood. And then his disciples, they said, ha, this is too hard of a saying. We're out of here. And Jesus left them go. He didn't call them back and say, yo, 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 guys, let me explain this to you. It's only symbolic. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. You can believe whatever you want. It's just a symbol. Come on back and stay with me. He let them go. All the other parables he explained. This was real life. This was real words. He wasn't kidding around. And he tells Peter that his father revealed it to him, that the flesh was of no avail, meaning when Jesus speaks of that, the flesh, he means his human understanding. I'm not going to try and figure it out. Do I know this great mystery that takes place, that we give what we produce? You know, I love that whole thing, the unleavened bread. We use unleavened bread to represent us. We have to be like a grain of wheat and fall and die and be ground up to become part of that one loaf, one loaf. And then that, that unleavened bread is consecrated and becomes Christ with the words of consecration. When that priest as an instrument of God, says them. It's profound. So for me, it changed that belief in my heart and that understanding and me choosing to believe Jesus in his words changed my life. I was speaking to a priest once, and he was driving somewhere with a, a Jewish friend of his. And in his car, he had the CD, Jewish, Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, yeah. I think it's called. And uh, he said, do you mind if we put this on? And his friend said, no, that, that's fine. And he put it on, and his friend, you know, the priest, was driving. His friend was in the passenger seat. And he had the seat reclined, and he said, as it got deeper and deeper into the CD, he kept hearing his friend kind of groan, mm, oh, mm, just kind of groaning as it. And then he he just kind of stood up. He said, "Can you please turn this off? I I I can't I can't handle this right now." Like almost the same exact response as Jesus got when he first revealed. What, what what we read in John six, that he he just couldn't handle he couldn't handle it, yeah. So, and we need to have mercy and we need to have compassion for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are separated from that truth, because we're to share with love and humility our understanding of that truth. But then we need to let God be God, because when we try and say I'm right, you're wrong, that creates division. And that creates walls. But if we share truth with love and our belief, that can create a bond of unity where we work together with the whole body of Christ. As the Catholic Church teaches, all baptized Christian, Trinitarian, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, are members of the one body of Christ. There are no, are no boundaries and divisions. You know, it's our human brokenness that causes divisions in the one body, but that's not what Jesus wants. You know, nor does he want a hand to become a foot, or a foot to become a hand, or a nose to become a foot, and a foot to become a nose. He doesn't want that. So let God be God, and respect our brothers and sisters that don't know that full truth, and encourage them on their journey to take it not just about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but an ever-deepening, intimate one with the Father, through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. 
That's our Catholic faith, not just personal and ever-deepening, intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and too, you know, David, you, you, you frequently say we need to share the truth with love. And uh, it occurred to me that that kind of ties in with the uh, point that you brought up, Rob, about, you know, how can we go to Mass and be bored? Because there is a sharing there. And the truth that we are sharing is love. And so to share it without love or to share it in a directive way or a controlling way or a manipulative way or a browbeating somebody into submission is not love. So it, it's not consistent with the, I mean, the content is not consistent with the method. But part of that, you kind of, we can kind of relate, is do we approach the sacrifice of the Mass, do we approach the Eucharist in, a, in that spirit? Or are we just waiting for the content to kind of break us open and, and just relying on that, that actual experience? So because it's repetitive, it's the same thing over and over again within limits. I and mean, we have different readings and you know there are different Eucharistic prayers, but it is pretty much a routine kind of thing. But I think in that is the value because it asks us to approach it every time with that spirit of love. And in that spirit of love, the differences, the different readings, the different Eucharistic prayers, the different feast days, those are the things that start to come out because those are the things that start to touch our heart um, from the standpoint of the content of the message, which is love, but also the delivery to us is done in love. And, that, and all that just surrounds the sacrament of the Eucharist, which is what, what we're reading about today, you know, and what we're celebrating on Sunday. I love on the CD, the fourth cup, and uh, it, it really ties into the, almost the last sentence where it says, Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When we realize that we're in the Passover meal, there should have been a fourth cup that was drank after the singing of this hymn, but it wasn't drank. Jesus said he's not going to drink from the fruit of the vine. And then the next thing you know, Jesus becomes the sacrificial lamb up on the cross. And when all things were done, then and only then did he take that last drink on a hyssop branch of the sour wine, that drink of the fruit, which when he drank it, the kingdom of God touched base with earth. And when he said the words, it is finished, he completed the Passover meal that had begun the day before in the upper room because then he was saying, I am the Paschal Lamb. I am the Lamb that was sacrificed for all humanity once for all. I never want to take for granted the gift of the Lord and what he did for each and every one of us. May God bless you. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717 367 
On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.